Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. Are you ready to receive? Come on, y'all. All right, I hope you're ready to receive this morning. So the title of my message this morning is called Racial Reconciliation. Racial Reconciliation. All right. As we just read five or no, a little more over than five scriptures, but verse 16 through 21, five times. All right. Five times Paul talks about the word reconciliation, 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 reconciliation. I wonder what he's talking about. I wonder what he wants to talk about. Reconciliation. Boy, do we need reconciliation more than ever right now, not just with God, but with each other, all right? So the title of my message this morning is Racial Reconciliation. I don't know about you, but I used to grow up in an old Pentecostal church where my family got saved, where I come to know Jesus. And I, I don't know if you like to travel or let me, let me back up. And where I grew up in this old church, there was uh, uh, this beautiful, awesome stained glass window. And I love to travel. I used to live in San Francisco. I, I've traveled uh, around the world before. And as you look at historic church, churches, excuse me, or, or uh, amazing cathedrals, Pentecostal churches, Presbyterian churches, Baptist churches, Catholic churches, uh, what, uh, just churches in general, you will see these beautiful, amazing stained glass windows where you see amazing uh, uh, patterns, mosaic patterns. And in these stained glass windows, you see these beautiful colors. You can't see it so much in the dark, but in these, in these beautiful stained glass windows, you see, you see blue, you see red, you see yellow, you see brown. Come on, someone. You see black, you see white. You see uh, all these beautiful colors, radiant. And when the sun hits it or the light hits it, it's resplendent. It shines bright. It's brilliant. It's lovely. And all if you look at it and you take a step back, all the colors work together in a mixture to form a beautiful portrait and a beautiful picture. Come on, someone. You know what I'm talking about this morning. I believe with all my heart and all my soul, as we talk about racial reconciliation, that the God that we serve and the God that we love sees in color. God is not color blind. Come on, someone. All right. Go ahead and write that down in the chat. God is not color blind. God loves color. I'm going to prove that to you right now. So it's important to see as you go and, and, and look at these beautiful churches of the church that I grew up in, all these beautiful colors. Let me tell you something right now. There's one, there's one color right now, or at least right now in this very moment as we're speaking, there's one color represented in the, in the stained glass window, or I should say it like this, that does not feel represented, that does not feel like it has added value to the beautiful stained glass window. That's our African-American brothers and sisters. And let me tell you, if we, as we look at beautiful stained glass windows, it wouldn't be complete unless all the colors shine brightly and lovely to form this beautiful picture. In other words, the picture ain't complete if there's some colors not represented, if there's some colors missing. Oh, come on, someone, you know what I'm talking about. All right, so God loves color. And unless those colors are represented or that color, our African-American sister's color is represented in the beautiful mosaic or stained glass window, it isn't as beautiful and it isn't 
as lovely. And I believe as a church of Jesus Christ, God wants all of his colors to shine within his church and shine within his world and this world through his light and his love. Come on, someone, you out there, all right? Uh, I, I wanna prove to you for a moment that God sees color. God is not colorblind. And if God sees color, we should see color too. Come on, someone, you know what I'm saying. Watch this, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you'll, you'll, you'll see how God sees color. Uh, whether it's the old covenant or the new covenant, ancient Israel or the new, or the, the early church. Watch this in Exodus chapter 24, verse nine. You will see this as Moses is on the mountain with God and, he, and, he's, and, he, and he's having time with God. There's a situation where God says, go get the elders of Israel. I believe there's 70 elders and the leaders of the elders. And I want you, Moses, to go bring them up here. Watch what the Bible says. Watch this. It says in Exodus 24, verse nine through 10, Moses and Aaron and Nadab, Nadab and Abihu, Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel under his feet. Watch this, under God's feet. Watch this, was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, all right? As bright, as blue, as blue as the sky. Color, color, all right? This word lapis lazuli, uh, and, and a lot of the translations, it could mean sapphire, all right? But if you, I want you to Google this, actually. Google this, lapis lazuli. It's a beautiful, and I don't even think sapphire cuts it. It's a beautiful blue, midnight blue image of this precious stone. Let me tell you, there are colors you haven't even seen yet that God has created. Come on, someone. All right. You got to look this up. So what is under God's feet is a beautiful sapphire pavement color. In heaven, there is color. Watch this in Exodus chapter 39, verse 10 through 13, talking about the priests. The priests and their garments were made of brilliant color. Watch this. Then they mounted four rows of precious stones. This is the stones on the, uh, on the breastplate of the, of, the, um, of the Israelites, the priests. Then they mounted four rows of precious stones on it. The first row was carnelian, chrysolite, and beryl. The second row was turquoise, lapis lazuli. There's that sapphire again, and emerald. The third row was jacinth. Agate and amethyst. The fourth row was topaz, onyx, and jasper. In other words, what these colors represented, these stones represented, was the 12 tribes of Israel, right? right? Okay, how about this? At the very end of the book of the Bible, God sees in color. Revelation chapter four, verse two, verse three says, at once I was in the spirit, apostle John talking. I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like emerald and circled around the throne. So let me tell you church right now, God sees in color. When he created all creation, the very beginning of the universe, He created the stars, beautiful. And he created this blue little marble called earth. And he created the green forest and the deep blue sea and the beautiful strong brown mountains. Oh, come on, somebody. He created the rivers. He created all of the, 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 the coats on the animals and the colors and the arrays of the, of the animals. God sees in color. And just like a stained glass window, when we take a step back, it's all for the glory of his name. And when it comes to racism, there is no room for racism. There is no room to say that color don't matter. 
matter. In fact, the stained glass window don't look good unless all the colors shine together. Come on, can I get an amen? Someone out there, all right, in the chat, someone write uh, amen. So we need to work together. And I believe the church needs to make this as be the role model for the rest of the world. The Bible says before Jesus' departure, it says this, the world will know. He's talking to the the disciples who would become apostles. The the way the world will know me uh, is through the way you love each other. So in other words, that should be an example and role model for the church to get it right. In other words, when organizations and society and cultures say there's no room for your race here or there's no room for your background here, it should be the church of Jesus Christ that tell our brothers and sisters of all ethnicities, come home. This is where you belong because like the mosaic, Jesus died for every color and he died for every culture and background and for the whole world, right? In heaven, we'll see every tribe, every tongue and every nation, amen. Someone say amen out there. So let's get back to the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As I've been studying hours and hours because that's what I do and I want to get it right. And most importantly, I want to be faithful to the word of God. Paul is writing this beautiful second letter. Second Corinthians is a second letter to to the church of Corinth. Why is he writing a second letter? Because there's been a dispute within the church. Factions, I believe, from Jerusalem have come uh, to uh, actually uh, put a bad... uh, talk falsely about Paul and his, his teaching. They question his apostleship. He, they question his ministry. And Second Corinthians, a lot of it is his defense about his ministry. It's a beautiful letter. One theologian says in Second in, in Corinthians, he's an apostle, but you really get to feel his heart as a pastor. All right. So a lot of this context is his defense. And in his defense, watch this. He's talking about the ministry of reconciliation. He's talking about the ministry five times, talking about reconciliation, all right? And I believe that as, or or let me just share this with you. The word in Greek for reconciliation means, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna try to say it, all right? Kateyahe, it means means kateyahe in Greek. And in English, when we talk about reconciliation, we, we think a lot of times it's the restoration, restoration in a relationship. But in the Greek, it doesn't necessarily mean restoration. It actually means an exchange. That's actually what it means in the Greek. And it's an exchange. That's what it means. This word reconciliation means in the Greek. Exchange for what? Watch this. Paul is talking about there's been an exchange. Paul, Paul, Paul is saying there's no longer animosity. No longer uh, enmity. There's no longer hatred between God and man. And what God has done is he has exchanged, reconciled this through the person of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the person of Jesus that reconciles humanity and reconciles God Almighty, the Father, and makes us one. That's why we are, we are we, when, because of his atonement, we are the righteousness, as the verse says later, uh, verse 21, we are the righteousness of Christ, because he who knew no sin became sin so that we can be the righteousness. In other words, God has exchanged 
the animosity, the hatred. That we, and here's the simple fact of the truth. You don't hear this a lot in, in church and in ministry. The simple fact of the truth is if we're not believers, if they're believers, people who are not believers, they're, they're standing in opposition to God. Why? Because they're not, they're not right through his blood and through the atonement of Jesus Christ, right? That's why Paul is saying there's reconciliation now. There needs to be no longer animosity or enmity or hatred. There is peace now between God and man. But here's my challenge. I think for a lot of us, we love God with all our heart, our strength, our mind, our soul. But when it comes to love your neighbor as yourself, that's where we struggle with. And that's what we struggle with right here when it comes to reconciliation. So what reconciliation cannot just mean between God and human beings, it has to mean that we also have to be reconciled to each other to each other right now, different races, different cultures, different backgrounds. We need to reconcile. And the only way I believe that true reconciliation can happen is through the person of Jesus. It's through the cross of Jesus because we all share the same blood and that is the blood of Jesus where he clothes us in righteousness and imputes to us his righteousness and gives us his spirit. Come on, someone, you out there. So I wanna talk about racial reconciliation this morning, in order to, to reconcile with our brothers and our sisters out there of a different race or, or African-Americans, but all races, I would say in this case, I would say right now we need to listen, so, right? Listen on the chat right now. We need to listen. We need to, we need to understand where they're coming from. I, 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 for a few weeks now, I've been having the awesome privilege and honor to, to sit down with Pastor Ronnie Mendez in our church, wonderful, beautiful soul, amazing African-American woman uh, who I call the Jedi Master Pastor. Her birthday is actually May the 4th, all right? Uh, and the spirit is strong with her, all right? And I, as I've been sitting down with her, I've just been listening. I've just been listening. And as I've been listening to her story, as I've been listening to her heart, I, I am realizing I've never seen things the way she's seen things growing up and the way she sees them now. When, 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 yeah, it's just, when she says, she says something like this the other day, when growing up, when I called the cops, it wasn't the same when you called the cops. Because when I called the cops or my neighborhood called the cops, someone was gonna die, right? We need to listen because like the mosaic or like the stained glass window, we need to value that person's perspective. We need to value our African-American brother's perspective. It's been 400 years uh, since of the oppression of slavery uh, uh, of our brothers and sisters out there. We need to understand where they're coming from. And that's what true love does is understanding where they're coming from. Listen, 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 listen. All right. And talking about perspective, watch, I believe that God values perspective. I believe that perspective is great for leaders Great leaders understand perspective. They want perspective. Watch this. I have a book and uh, I have a kind of theology books, but one of my books is called One, One Jesus, Four Portraits. Watch this. One Jesus, Four Portraits. What does that mean? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Isn't that incredible? We have four different perspectives that all add and contribute to the value and the person of Jesus Christ and his gospel. So just like a stained glass window, we need to incorporate all the colors because that's what makes it so beautiful. Come on, someone, you out there. So we need to listen. And we need, a lot of us, to be honest with you, we're not good listeners. All right, we, we're not good listeners. And this is a time that if you know uh, an African-American brother or sister or family member, sit down with them. 
even on Zoom, with Zoom or Instagram Live or whatever it is, and say, what is your story? I promise you that if you just ask someone that, an African-American brother or sister, how do you see this? They they will feel so grateful and appreciative that you care, that you want to hear from their angle. Amen. Because I think a lot of times uh, they hear from our angle and we need to hear from their perspective. All right. So for number one, as we talk about racial reconciliation, we need to listen. All right. How about this? Number two, for racial reconciliation, we need to see people the way God sees people. Watch this. It says this in verse 16. So from now on, I love that Paul says this. From now on, we regard, and the word in Greek for regard is cognizant. We need to know, all right? So from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. How about the Passion Translation? uh, Chapter 5, verse 16a. It says this. We have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward, outward, outward appearance. All right. And the reason that Paul is saying this is because those false teachers had only had come to the church of Corinth and they were judging people by their outward appearance. And Paul is saying, we are born again Christians. We don't see people just by their outward appearance. We have a new lens. Come on, church. We have a new filter of seeing people. All right. We don't see people as just the way the world does through this filter of republicanism or this filter of just Democrat and you vote this way or you eat this way or you look this way. No, we see people uh, differently because we're born again. We have a higher perspective, not just a worldly perspective. Let me tell you, when we see people through a human, a human filter, we stereotype, we're prejudiced, we limit, and we put people in a box. But let me tell you, when you look at people through the Bible or through the lens of Jesus Christ, we, say, we see image of God. Come on, someone. We see that God uh, so loved the world that uh, uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe uh, will not perish, but have everlasting life. When we look at people through the word of God and through the belief of what this thing says, it should change things. Come on, y'all. It should change the way we look at people. So we don't look at people the way that just the, through the world's lens, we look at them through, through what this says. And that means that we value them. It means that we respect them. It means that we dignify them, even if we don't agree with them, even if they don't vote like us, even if they come from a different neighborhood, even if they go to a weird church. Come on, you know what I'm saying? We still look at all people right here through this lens in the name of Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but the last month, and especially with the whole, this whole thing going on with George Floyd, I've been asking God, God, change the way I see. I don't want to see from my perspective anymore. I don't want to see from my perspective as a, belief, as, a, as a human being only. Change my perspective, God. God, I want to see the way you see. God, I want to see people the way you see them. Unconditionally, so kindly, so gracefully. God, change my eyesight. Every year I go to Linden Optometry in Pasadena and it seems like every year my eyes are getting bad or getting worse. And what they need to do is they continue to change my prescription. They give me an update on my prescription. Why? Because my vision is failing. Well, I want to update your prescription this morning in the name of Jesus. How about see God, see people the way God sees them? How about love people the way God loves people? How about get, how about those things? I promise you God will revolutionize your life and in your heart in Jesus name. Come on, someone out there. Are you out there? 
Let's see people the way God sees people through his word and through the values and ideals of the Bible. All right. And check this out. Watch this. Paul says, uh, we, don't know, we don't see people just from a human pers- point of view anymore. Watch this. He says this, though, watch this in verse 16b, he says, though we once regarded Christ in this way. In other words, Paul is saying before he got saved, before he seen the risen Lord, we saw God, we saw Jesus from a human angle. But what happened to uh, Saul? One day he saw the risen Lord, got knocked down from his horse and got saved. And in fact, he had to be blinded for a moment, right? Ananias had to put his hands over him and scales fell off his eyes. God had to revolutionize the way he saw life. And that's, that's what I pray for you watching right now. And just because you go to church and just because you read your Bible does not mean that you see things the way God sees things. Come on, someone. That's my prayer for you this morning is that you will change, that God, you will see the way God sees uh, these things through his eyes and through the filter of his heart. All right, verse 20, it says this. We are, uh, my third point, it says, we are therefore, watch this, Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That's what the apostle Paul is talking about right here. Uh, I, I want you to know that not only are we supposed to see things the way God sees things, but I feel like right now we see things and feel things. And we, I feel like a lot of times right now we're representing the earth more than we are God, more than we are heaven. You know, an ambassador represents their country. An ambassador represents the values and ideals of their home nation, all right? Let me tell you, as children of God, you right now watching, been born again, saved, you're not from here. You're not from this place. But a lot of times we act like we're from here and we judge people from like we're from here. We look at people like we're from here. But let me tell you, we're, we're not from this place. Some of us, we're having a hard time fitting in. Why? You're not from here. All right, you're from another place. You're from, the, you're from heaven. And, and although we're in this world and we're not of the world, we're supposed to represent heaven. We're supposed to represent King Jesus. We're supposed to represent uh, 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 the kingdom of God and the values of God. So right now, as we're dealing with racism, as we're dealing with prejudice and injustice and, and bigotry, I, I don't want us to just take our, our sides and go back to our tribes how about, how about represent your kingdom? How about represent where you're from, which is uh, e- eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ? How about look at life through those lens rather than our fragmented lenses, all right? uh, our human lenses? I-, I just want to encourage us this morning to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I believe that you love Jesus with all of your heart and I encourage you to see the way he sees, to feel the way he feels about these matters in Jesus' name. As I close, I wanna just share a quick story with you that means so much to me personally. One of my heroes on April 15th, 1947 was a special day in American history and a day that is important to my own life in my heart. Actually, obviously I was not around then, but on April 15th, 1947 was a day... Um, which extreme racism existed, segregation and Jim Crow. But it was a day in which Jackie Robinson took Ebbets Field uh, for the Brooklyn Dodgers. The Dodgers had took a chance on this amazing young man, 28 years old, by the name of Jackie Robinson, who is from Pasadena, California, went to PCC and went to UCLA and, and, and so forth. He's a hometown 
hero. And I value Jackie Robinson. And he's a hero of mine, personally. Why? Not just because he, loved, he played baseball, and I love baseball, and I love our Dodgers. Come on, can we just take a quick uh, moment of silence? Because we just need baseball back, and we need the Dodgers to play again. All right? But I value those things. But most important, I love what he achieved. You know, in his contract, Jackie Robinson had to sign a turn the other cheek uh, clause because they knew that they were going to come at him. It was segregation. It was Jim Crow. All right. They were, they were uh, in fact, that day when he took the field, they taunted him. They, they called him names and he was still supposed to perform well. All right. With all of that. I bring this up because I remember a story. Some say it's not true. Some say it's a myth. You can, you can, you can look it up. Jackie Robinson actually says it's true. Some say he, he misquotes the date. But he, this is an a, a, a important thing I, I believe is, is significant for a time that we're going through right now. There was a, there was a game going on in Cincinnati. And, and, and the Dodgers were taking, the Brooklyn Dodgers were taking their pregame practice, fielding ground balls, and the game hadn't started yet. And the, the fans were just angry with Jackie Robinson just for being on the field playing with white men. And they were hurling insults at him, telling him what they think about him and, and bad words this and bad mouthing him that. And P, a shortstop by the name of uh, uh, Pee Wee Reese, who is a Southerner from Kentucky, he saw this happening and he ran over to first base and Pee Wee Reese is a little smaller than Jackie Robinson. He did something so important and significant in terms of racial reconciliation. He went over to Jackie Robinson and he put his, his arm around his shoulder. You'll see this if you watch the number 42. He put his arm around Jackie Robinson's shoulder. As a white man, That was putting a, your arm around a black man's shoulder was a huge thing. And you know what it did that day? They stopped hurling their insults. Historian, or as the story goes, the crowd was silent. And it, and it, and it, and it confused them for a moment because of what Pee Wee Reese did for Jackie Robinson. And one day Jackie Robinson asked Pee Wee Reese, why did you do that? Why did you put your arm around me? And Pee Wee Reese said, you know, if I was playing for uh, the African-American or Negro leagues, he said, and I was the only white man, I would want someone to be my friend and put their arm around me. And I believe that's what we need to do in this society right now that we live in. And if you're an African-American and you come to the calling church, I want to let you know that as your pastor, I'm putting my arms around you. I love you. And I, I, I want to shepherd you and I want you to know that no matter what's going on out there in this house of God at the Calling Church, we love you. You are accepted and we want you to shine like beautifully like the stained glass window. You belong here. All right. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to the Calling Church. Bring a friend. We will love to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, the Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you.